Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful thing to be here. And um, we all know, I'm sure all of you know, who Don's boss is. And even she has a hard time keeping him in line. So, <laughs> good luck, Pastor Carol. I don't know if I put that job or not. Anyway, uh, great to be back with you. I say be back with you because I was here once before. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. Um, but, uh, and I'm, you know, I, I heard someone say one time that they, that um, they, you're kind of like the Apostle Paul. You come and you share and then you leave, and then long time later, you come back. And he said, except you never write us letters like Paul did. So anyway, I don't, I don't write letters. But it is great to be here. I, I, I say that because uh, I always enjoy visiting with your pastor and his wife. We really love them. And so he's not paying me to say that. I know that if I lie, I will not be able to go to heaven. So it's the truth. We really like visiting with them. And I always love being wherever my wife is. So, Paula, would you just sort of at least wave and say hi? Um, one of these days when we have a couple of weeks, I'll tell you how absolutely blessed I am to have a wife like Paula. Um, some of you may know my story. We, we have been, uh, Paula and I are widowed. Uh, she was married to her first husband, Jim, for 30 years, 31 years. I was married to my first wife, Paula, for 30 years. Did you catch that? She's first wife Paula, second wife Paula. I collect Paulas. So anyway, uh, and so it's, um, uh, it's just a joy when you have gone through sorrow and deep heartache to find someone that shares every aspect of your life with you. So that's why I love Paula. Anyway, didn't plan to go into that. It's not in the notes or anything. I just really mean that, Paul. <laughs> and, uh, but another reason I'm glad to be here is because I looked on my phone this morning, and in my home in the United States, it's minus 10 degrees today. <laughs> and we've already texted our kids. I have two kids. Paula has four. We've already texted them all and said, ah, ha, 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 you're cold. We're in Bali. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> But, and, and also to be here in church, so great to see you. Um, I want to just kind of jump right into what I feel like God wants me to share with you today, and it's pretty much like what Pastor Dom was talking about, you know, and we do this, we, you know, it's the first Sunday of the year, it's the beginning of a year, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think throughout the Old Testament, you find that God has, you know, uh, very much God set the moon and the stars and the seasons in place, and he, He's a God of order, and He wants us to kind of have an opportunity to reevaluate and reorder our lives at times. And so beginning of the year is a good time to do that. And so um, when they said, you know, what is it that God, that you would ask God for? I like that thought, Pastor, that wh and, I, and, and, and I don't know about you, and I'm not saying this is good or bad, but right away, immediately, I, I, something come, it came into my heart. I, no question that I, what I want to ask God for and what I did ask God. But in addition to that, what I want to say to you is, if I had a wish for you, if I had a prayer for you that I could ask God for and say, God, for every single person here today, 
My prayer for you would be that every day of this coming year, you would walk in the presence of God. Now, I know we're in church, and I know that's what you're supposed to hear in church. But I'm not talking about church, and I'm not talking about work, and I'm not talking about all the different activities of your life. I'm talking about the life-giving, sustaining presence of God that makes a difference everywhere I go and in everything I do. God never intended you to walk this life without him. God never intended you to go out and try to live the Christian life without him. His presence, his empowering, life-giving presence is what will make a difference in your life and in the lives of the people around you in this coming year. And so, God, I pray that this day and the next day and every day this year that every person in every chair in this church would experience the presence of God as you walk with him. And I know this is God's desire. And Don said, you know, God, he wants to hear. And, and I know this is God's desire because in the beginning, does that sound familiar? <laughs> in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, <clears throat> we have creation and all these things, and, and we have in chapter 3 where God creates the garden. God created the world, but there was a special place in the world called this Garden of Eden. And in that garden, God made some wonderful things, but the thing that was the most wonderful about that garden was that was sort of a special place that God came and he spent time with his creation. He spent time with man. God designed that to be a place where he could have fellowship and relationship with his creation. And that was man created in the image of God, that we would be like him, that we would spend time with him, that we would fellowship with him. And then, of course, you know the story. We messed up, <laughs> really, really big messed up. I have two kids. Uh, I could tell you stories about kids messing up. And, um, you know, I had, when they messed up a little, I kind of punished them a little. And when they messed up big, wow, they got the big... Anyway, so God said, I can't let man stay here in this condition because he knows good and evil. And if I let him stay with that knowledge and he reaches out and he takes hold of the tree of life and lives forever in that condition, it will not be good. And he had no choice, but he banished them from that garden. And they went out of, and here, <clears throat> here's the problem, church. It's not the garden. You know, maybe Bali could be that garden. You know, I, I, I know what it's like to be cold, so I'm really happy here. But um, it is not that paradise thing. It is the presence of God. Man was forced to leave the presence of God, and um, that's really been the problem. And you know what? If you look at the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in the I think it's the last or the second to the last chapter. I think it's the last, no, second to the last chapter. You, you can look up later. And it says, 
that the new Jerusalem is coming down, and it's, and, it's, and it's this wonderful city, and that's where we will be with God forever, and he will wipe away every tear, and there'll be no more sorrow. We're going to have this great life. And it says there, but the, I, I, John says, I didn't see a temple. There was no temple in this new Jerusalem because God and the Lamb are the temple. God is there. His presence is restored. We're restored to his presence. There is no need for church and temple because God and the Lamb are there, and they are the temple. They are the presence of God. So between Genesis and Revelation, here we are. And man had a terrible history after he left the garden. You can read in Genesis chapters 3 through 11, bad, bad things happen, one after the other. I could just name them all, but we, I don't, that's not the sermon today. But, you know, Genesis 3 through 11 was not our best hour. <laughs> we messed up. And um, then there was that flood and sort of a reset. And then there was Babylon. And then, anyway, years later, after Abraham and after Noah and all of that, and after 400 years in Egypt, I'm just sort of skipping over, <clears throat> like, all of Genesis and that whole big story, but you get to Exodus and you get to this story where Moses, not in Egypt, but out in the wilderness, Moses comes along and he sees this bush and it's burning. And he thinks, <laughs> now that's different. <laughs> I'm going to go turn aside and look and see what's happening there. And it says in Genesis uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3, that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God, where the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. This is how Moses recognized God's presence there. There was a bush that was burning, but it wasn't burning up. And as I said, you don't see that every day. And so he recognized that was something unique. And then, and I'm going to run through a lot of this because I got something important at the end to tell you. But then he goes and he delivers the people of Israel. And God said to Moses, when you, when you come out of Egypt, and when you, uh, my people are delivered, I want you to come back to this same spot. And I want you to worship me here. Now it's called Mount Horeb, but it's also called, called Mount Sinai. And so it's, it's the same spot. And so Moses comes there, and they, and, they, and, and they return to that spot with all of these people that have come out of Egypt, and they worship God there. And um, you know the story. There's a mountain, there's this thunder, there's this smoke, there's this fire, there's this presence of God on the mountain. And, and, and we can't even go there, because if you go there and touch the mountain, you'll die. And eventually, you know, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a tabernacle. And he gives Moses all these instructions about the tabernacle. And God says, that's where I will meet with you. And so a little bit later, all the, and you read, you know, you read Leviticus, you read Exodus, you read, you know, man, I'm not a detailed person. So <laughs> make this curtain this high, this long, this color, this, you know, wow. Is that, is that a, exciting stuff when you read? Anyway. So, but there's all this detail, and so finally, after you know, like a long time, years, Moses builds this tabernacle, and they have this ceremony, and the Spirit of God comes off the mountain and inhabits the tabernacle. And that's what you find in the tabernacle there, 
Um, when Moses, uh, it says in, in Exodus tw- chapter tw- uh, 40, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain on the entrance of the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. I'm just trying to get you to see that God wants to be with us, that God wants fellowship with us, that God doesn't want us to be along with. God wants to, and and he just, and so he had to make a way because, see, at this time we're still separated by sin. And, And because we are sinful and God is holy, we cannot be in his presence. That's why they couldn't go on to the mountain, because they would die because he's holy and we are not holy. And so he makes this way for us to be with him in his presence. And he has Moses build this tabernacle. And he says, sacrifice this and do this. And only when they had performed the sacrifice was Moses able to go into that area. And only when the high priest once a year had performed a sacrifice was he able to go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And that's how we met with God. That's how human beings met with God. And a little bit later, you know the story. God says, I'm going to give you the promised land. He gives them a land. They go in and possess it. And what do they do? David says, God, I want to make you, I want to make a place where you can dwell. And I'm going to make the tabernacle, or the, te- the temple. And so God has dwelt in this, tab- this, this, this tabernacle in the wilderness. But, but now Solomon says, I'm going to build a temple. And he builds this temple, and you can read all about that in Kings chapter, 1 Kings chapter 8. When the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. And so that became the new place where God's people would go and meet in his presence by performing certain sacrifices and doing certain things. And they were able to have a relationship with God that way. That's all through the Old Testament, and that's how it was. If you wanted to experience the presence of God, go to the temple. If you wanted to be right with God, perform these services and these sacrifices. And Moses knew how important this was. Moses, all the way back before they entered the promised land, Moses uh, knows he's going to go up and possess the promised land, and he says uh, to, to, um, to God, he says, God, don't make us go up there if you're not going to go with us. I didn't write this verse down. i got to look it up. Sorry. And uh, so this is how important it was to, to Moses that, that they do everything with God, that they be in God's presence. To be outside of God's presence was to be exposed to danger and failure. To be in God's presence was protection and whatever God provision you needed. So God, so Moses, knowing how important it is, before they go into battle, Moses says in Exodus chapter 33, Moses, uh, uh, and Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up there. If we only had that understanding of God's presence and God's holiness, before we leave this place today, before we go out into the world that we're going to live in, we would say, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know 
that you were pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me from your people, from all the, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people of the face of the earth? Moses said, look, the only way people will know that we are your people is if you are with us, if your presence is with us. In fact, there were two distinguishing things of God's people. God said, I want you to be different from all the people of the earth because I'm going to be your God and I'm going to be with you. I will be present with you. And then the second really big thing that distinguished them from the rest of the people of the world is how they treated each other. And as a matter of fact, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, But those are the two things that distinguish us as God's people. And so God said, and so Moses said, God, don't make me go unless you're going to go with me. Because without you, it's failure. And, and they did that. They tried to go up when God, when God said go and they didn't go, they rebelled against God. And later, when they decided, oh, sorry, God, I guess we're ready to go now. And then when they did go, God said, don't go because... I'm not going with you. And they went, and they were defeated. So this is is Moses' understanding is, the thing that distinguishes us from all the people of the world are not the sacrifices we make. It's not the circumcision law. It's not the rules of the temple worship. What distinguishes us from the people of the world is our God is with us. And we know that. We've just come through a season where we say, Jesus' name is what? Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the thing I love about God. I wasn't raised in church. I don't know. I didn't know anything at all about church. One day I was working at a job, and a man came into that place, and he didn't even ask permission to change my life. He just told me about the gospel. He told me that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus and that if I didn't know Jesus, I would not spend eternity with God. Now, come on. You tell that to a 19-year-old, and if all I've got to process that is my brain, it just doesn't compute. I mean, that's why Paul said the gospel is foolishness to the natural mind. But that day, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, it's been almost 50 years, that day... When he spoke those words, I don't know what he was talking about, but there was a presence in that room that changed my life. The only thing I could describe that presence by that day with my limited understanding of God and no theological language was peace. It was an extraordinary sense of peace and love. And it felt like there was someone there that loved me beyond measure. It felt like there was something there that just accepted me and there was, life was going to be okay and, and I could live and, and they loved me and they wanted to be with me. I didn't understand anything about religion. I didn't understand anything about theology, but I knew that there was a presence that day that I wanted. That is the presence of God. And when his presence is with us, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's why I said, if I had a prayer for you today, it would be that every day you would walk with God's presence. 
because it will change your life and it will change the life of the people around you. Now, we go all the way through the Old Testament in about 10 minutes. That's pretty good. <clears throat> 500 years after the last thing we hear from God, you know, they're carried away to Babylon and all that kind of stuff. 500 years goes by and there's like nothing, no word. What's going on? The Bible says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God has a, t God has a plan, church. God has a plan. And we may think, well, you know, it's been a while, whatever. Is this really going to happen? But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus. And John says in chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I've taken two years of Greek a long time ago, and I was a poor student. So, no one confuses me with a Greek scholar. But I, I do know what words look like, and I do know for a fact that this, work in, this word in John chapter 1 and verse, verse 14, dwelling, means tabernacle. It's the same word as tabernacle. So God dwelt in the tabernacle, God dwelt in the temple, and the Bible says that Jesus, God, came to dwell, to tabernacle, to live among us. The presence of God has come to be with us. And Jesus came and he lived his life, and everywhere he went, he did miracles. Everywhere he went, lives were changed. Why is that? Well, because he's God. Well, that's who wants to be with us, God. And everywhere Jesus went, life was different because he gave life. He healed. He, he delivered. Can you imagine that kind of presence? Well, Jesus did those things, and it wasn't like he said, I did that, but you can't do that. No. Jesus said, I have a mission, and that mission is that I will give my life as a sacrifice so that every single one of you can be in my presence forever. I give my life as a sacrifice so that there's no longer this distance between me and God, but there is this fellowship and this union that can now take place in this world where God the Holy Spirit can tabernacle or dwell in me. Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 7, but truly I say to you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Isn't that an amazing thing? Jesus knew what we needed. Look, it's not something new. It's Genesis and Revelation, and we're in between, and God still wants fellowship. God still wants relationship with you and I. And I think sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as though he's some other kind of 
apart from God that's not like that. But God the Father created you in his image, and he wants to be with you. He created a garden in the beginning that that would be so. He will be with us in the New Jerusalem, and he will be our temple. But in this time space in between, how do we meet with God? Well, Jesus made that so different and so easy for us. It is no longer the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and all the regulations of the temple. We may enter the presence of God when we give Jesus our life, when we turn our life over to him and say very simply, Jesus, forgive me. Come and live within me and be, I want to be your dwelling. I want you to dwell in me. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, he said that to the thief on the cross, but that's what he wants to give us. So Jesus died for my sin and for your sin. He died that we may be forgiven, that we might tabernacle with him, dwell with him the moment we become his child and forever and the rest of our lives in eternity. And it is going to be glorious, church, when we get to New Jerusalem. And it is going to be all the things that this life is not. There will, I just don't have time, to, but it's, it's just going to be amazing. But, but Jesus said, I know that you need something, and so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And as I said, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell with us and fellowship with us. And so Acts chapter 2, we know that the church was gathered on the day of Pentecost, and they were all in one place, and suddenly there came blowing like a violent wind. It came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that were separated and came to rest on each one of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were... They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. You remember that Moses recognized God in the bush by fire. You remember that fire distinguished that mountain where God was. You know that in the tabernacle and in the temple, there was the presence of sacrifice and holy fire. And it is no coincidence, church, that on the day of Pentecost, when God the Holy Spirit came to dwell in this tabernacle, that it was distinguished by fire. And so these tongues of fire seemed like rested. Now, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you what that was all like. You know, read the book of Revelation. Can you explain that to me? You know, I mean, sure, it's this, it's, you know, I, I know all about Bible translation and Bible uh, interpretation and, and, you know, different types of literature and, and, and you know, uh, all, but it's really, it's, it's John trying to describe something he has no words for. It's John trying to describe something that you've never seen and he's never seen. And so how do I explain that to you? <laughs> but that's what the Bible says here about this tongues of fire that came. It was God. It was a symbol that they would know that God's presence was with them on that day, and it filled them, and they went out of there and what? And they were filled with power to be his witnesses and his disciples. And so I say to you again, God never intended you to walk this life in your own strength and in your own power and in your own wisdom. You will fail 
the mission of God if you do that on your own. The only way that you will accomplish this life and be the witness that God wants you to be is if you walk this life in the presence of God filled with His Holy Spirit. Now, Paul said later on to the church in Galatia, I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So Paul says it's not just a one-time thing. It is an ongoing, continual experience where you walk by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. And he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the main point. This is a very important thing I want you to see today, and that is that it isn't just a one-time event. God, I came here today, and I ask you to fill me with your Spirit, and I'm thankful for it, and I'll see you later. (laughs) That's not what it is. God wants you to walk by His Spirit. He wants you to keep in step with this. What does that mean to keep in step? It means when the Holy Spirit stops, you stop. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit moves, you move. You keep in step with him. Every day I check in, every, every hour I check in, you know, whatever. When my conscious mind becomes aware, hey, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And I, I would advise you to do that. You know, <clears throat> psychologists have this thing called self-talk. You know what that is? You're doing it right now. You're thinking, well, what's he talking about? It's that little voice in your head that's talking to yourself. And you're, you know, you're thinking, you're talking. And when you get older like me, sometimes your lips start moving and people know what you're thinking about. So, you know, but, but you know, you're doing it really well. You're sitting there with all this self-talk going on in your head. And here's what I would say. Why don't you make this uh, a two-way conversation? Instead of just having your own head talking to you, why don't you invite the Holy Spirit into that conversation and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you, you know, you're walking along, you're thinking about things, and all of a sudden it occurs to you, maybe God has information I don't have. You know, maybe God wants me to do something I don't know what to do. And just ask him, you know. And if he says nothing, fine. But if he says something, then hey, now I got inside information. <laughs> and, and I, anyway, that's just a side note. So here's what I want you to do. And I know these guys are ready to play, so I got I to gotta do this quick. Uh, and that is this. And I see the clock, you know. And, and, I, and I want you to know this. So, so, so here's my whole point, really, because sometimes we preach all this stuff and we wonder, what was the point of that? My point is, I've said it twice, I'll say it a third time, God never intended you to walk in this life without his presence. God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to be powerful. God wants you to be able to love people. He wants his presence, just like I felt in that room that day when I wasn't a Christian and I didn't know what it was. But when someone told me about Jesus, I didn't say, well, I don't know what church you go to. I don't know. I went to church one time. I didn't care about any of that stuff. I just felt a presence that loved me. I felt a presence that was peace. And I thought, I don't know what this is, but I want this. So when God's presence walks with you and you walk with him and you stay in step with the Spirit, God's presence confirms your words and confirms your message with signs and wonders and with his presence that makes a difference in people's lives. That is how God intended us to live in 2022. Not just today, but every day. And so here's my homework for you. Here's my assignment for you. And in a minute, we're going to ask if you you want prayer, it's very appropriate for us to pray at this point. It's very appropriate for us to say, if you want prayer, come up and let's pray. 
And let's, let's ask, and you know, maybe, I don't, I, I'm not here often enough to know what you do, but you have a prayer team, Pastor said, so this probably shouldn't be in you. So I'm going to ask you in a minute to come up if you want prayer, and we're going to be prayed for whatever you want, whether you want to be filled with His Spirit, if you want to walk with His Spirit, if you have other needs, we can pray for that too, because guess what? It's not David. It's not the pastor. It's the presence of God. God's presence is here to move among His people and to do what He needs to do in your life. Here's what I want you to do in order to not just today be prayed for, but walk by His Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. Tomorrow, or even today, I want you to go home, and I want you to read your Bible for two hours. Amen. <laughs> Amen from the pastor. The rest of you, in your head, that self-talk was saying, are you nuts? I ain't got two hours to do that, you know. Well, I'm just saying to you, I'm not going to put a time on it. I'm just saying to you, how much of God do you want? How much fellowship do you want? I said earlier, it's not in my notes, but it's, you know, this is the point. It's not, it's not me doing a ritual thing like the law that I do to get God's favor. It's fellowship with God. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said in his prayer for them, I pray that, you know, that, that the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. It's just not some nice prayer that Paul prayed. Paul knew that God's love is with you and the grace of Jesus will save you, but he wants you to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and be in step with him. And so I want you to go home and I want you to read your Bible because as much word as you can put into your head, it will help your spirit. And after you've read that Bible, I want you to take some time and I want you to tell God what you heard. You know, I was doing this a while back. It's been a while, but I was doing this and I've read this verse a hundred times, maybe more. In Psalm chapter 51, David says, have mercy on me, O God. And this is the verse that just jumped into my heart. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. David didn't deserve it. He'd murdered, he'd committed adultery. He didn't say, God, have mercy on me according to the fact that I'm going to be better later. David said, God, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. And I spent... A long time that day talking to God and thanking God for his unfailing love because I failed and I will fail but God's love is unfailing so I'm just read God's Word and then spend a little bit of time telling God what you saw because that's what's in your heart and then I want you to spend a little bit more time just praising God and thanking him for it now I've already spoken too long but we, we get into this thing of tongues and we get all nervous about tongues and the Holy Spirit filling us and speaking in tongues maybe you've never heard about this but my guess is you have and uh, we get kind of focused on our tongue when the reality of it is is the tongue is just an after effect of what happens in the heart and so when you pray when you read God's Word and you talk to God about his word and then you begin to repeat that word to God that's called prophecy uh, prophecy is not just telling the future it's speaking God's Word and Paul says in 
or Luke says in Acts chapter 19, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I, I, I just, I know this has happened, so I know this will happen. You spend time reading God's Word. You spend time talking to God about His Word. You spend time telling God His Word and prophesying and speaking it out loud verbally. And you do that in your own language. You do that, and for me, I do that in English. I speak a little Dutch. I speak very little Basa Indonesia. But my favorite language is English. It's my heart language. And so I, I spend my heart language just praising God and talking to God and telling Him what, what a wonderful God He is and what I saw in His Word. And you know what happens? Very often, I move, from, I move from English to a language I don't even know. And the Bible calls that tongues. The Greek word means languages. And it's not a big deal. The Bible says when we don't have words to express what we want to say to God, it's not a problem. The Spirit does it for us. And that's being filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to fill you. And He wants to walk with you every day of your life. If you want, if you would stand with me for a moment, it's a little easier to move when we stand. If you want prayer this morning, guess what? There is a God who loves you. There is a God who wants to meet you and meet your needs. And if you want prayer this morning, I'd like you to come up here and we'll just pray for you. It's, it's just very easy. But when you leave here, this is sort of like being, you know, beginning, beginning point. When you leave here today, I want you to walk by the Spirit. I want you to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And you do that by doing those things I mentioned. Read your Bible, tell God what you saw, talk to God and praise Him about it, and let Him just fill you and renew you. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus, your Son, that we might be forgiven of our sins and that we might be saved. And Jesus, I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that we might be filled with your power and your presence, not for our good only, but the, we, that, that we may be your witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit. Amen. Praise God.